there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the quick hitter version of Catch and Shoot 2.0, courtesy of Pure Hoops Media. Our highlighted conversation is with the one and only, it's our chief content officer, Bruce Bernstein. Bruce worked on SportsCenter for 32 years, and he covered those final three NBA championships with the Bulls. We talk about how impactful those last three of the six were, and we also talk about what he remembers most from that run. Okay, we spent the bulk of this show talking about the last dance, and you know we do want to highlight a little bit more about that. And we're going to go ahead and bring in our chief content officer of Pure Hoops Media. His name is Bruce Bernstein. He sits in on every show, and he gives us notes, and he critiques us. But now it's time for us to bring him in. Bruce, you spent 32 years at ESPN, of course, leading SportsCenter's coverage of the NBA. You know, you covered a lot of finals. When you watch those first two episodes, let's start there, and let's just get your take, because you you know, as well as Otto, know the NBA and have a history of the NBA that I will just never have. What were what was it for those two episodes that stuck out to you? It was really just a lot of the building block stuff of Michael Jordan's career because uh, the, the, the games that they showed in 86 against Boston when he went for 49 and 63, that was really his second year in the league. And again, he had missed most of that season with his broken foot. So... To me, those were thrilling memories. I'm a Celtics fan. I remember those games very well. So to me, that was all kind of laying the groundwork for all the good stuff that's to come. Yeah, the Jerry Krause stuff was interesting, and I kind of knew a lot about that. But the younger fans today really didn't have a clue about it. But uh, Yeah, you know, that's the amazing thing to me is, you know, one of my favorite things about pieces of work like this that garner so much attention is the conversations that fall on the social channels right and you guys are all on twitter and you guys follow it but it's been a long time really that sports has kind of gravitated people to a conversation like that that people were having on twitter you know and you see it in the games and whatnot but a whole country essentially felt like they were watching that documentary at once and together and so the conversations and the amount of people that were amazed either by Pippen's contract or by the narrative with Krauss was just so interesting to me well to me the 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 team the signature team out of all of those teams was the 1996 team even though they had won you know they beat the Lakers in 91 they beat Portland in 92 they beat Charles in 93 then Michael went off to play baseball. And then that 96 team, oh my God, they went 72 and 10, okay? And that finals was really the third finals that I did for ESPN, uh, you know, for SportsCenter. And it was unbelievably memorable to me because the Sonics were the second best record in the NBA that year. They had 64 wins. So Bulls were 72 wins, Sonics 64 Two best records in the league. In the finals, the Bulls win the first two at home. Then in game three in Seattle, it was 2-3-2 back then. Game three in Seattle, the Bulls won that game, and they dominated it. They won by 22, so they had a 3-0 series lead. Now, at this point, they're 72-10 in the regular season. They're 14-1 in the playoffs at this point. So they're 86-11, and you just know they're going to finish these guys. 
except that's not what happened. Um, the game, the, the fourth game wasn't until the following Wednesday and Sonics win. I'm thinking, all right, Father's Day is Sunday. I'm, I'm going to be home for Father's Day. No problem. Uh, and then they go to game five, which is on Friday night. And it's got to end there, right? And then I can travel Saturday, be home for Sunday. No. The uh, game five uh, went to the Sonics, too. They grinded it out. So now it's back to Chicago for game six on Father's Day. It was excruciating to me to have to miss Father's Day that year because we all knew the Bulls were going to win the series in six. And um, all my fellow dads missed Father's Day as well, but at least it didn't go seven. Yeah. And what was kind of the the most important thing or the thing that you remember most about covering that? You know, it's funny. One of the It's weird the things you remember. The key arena where the Sonics were playing at the time was the loudest house I had ever been in. I don't know what the acoustics of that place were, but it was just the loudest I had ever been in. And I forget what game it was, but they did some indoor fireworks before one of the games. And the arena was just in this cloud of smoke for like the entire first half of a game because they had all the vents covered with all these like banners for NBA finals, whatever. So the air, the escape route for the air with all this smoke couldn't leave. So I remember just this haze. I don't remember what game it was. It it, might have been game three, might have been game four. But at that point, it was like, how can they not be finishing these guys? What is going on here? But, you know, the amazing thing about that Supersonics team and the run that they went on is how different could that have franchise been had they finally won the NBA championship? Because you think about how good those Supersonics teams were, especially during that period. That was kind of like their missed chance. They were because after that, the Jazz, it was them and the Jazz, kind of the two best teams in the West at that point. I'm sure Otto remembers that too. And then the Jazz made it to the finals the next two years, only to be beaten by the Bulls both times. But, um, you know, to me, the the Sonics, they were flawed, but they had a really good coach. George Carl was, was, was there, and Gary Payton was doing his thing as the glove. And, you know, the Rain Man, of course, Sean Kemp. They had other great players, Nate McMillan, Detlef Schrempf. Uh, And the fan, the Seattle fans were such great fans. They're still great NBA fans in in Seattle. Otto, should they be getting a team again? Oh, they should definitely get a team again. I would, I would love to see a team, you know, back in Seattle. So, so here's my question. You know, you covered 96, you covered 97, you covered 98. Uh, And obviously the Bulls were the better team on paper and reality and every other form of, of any, any other measure. So my question is, could, which of those three teams, 96, 97, 98, do you feel was the best Bulls team? Well, you know, based on the record, I think it was 96. But people forget, in 97, the Bulls won 69 games that year. So it was like, well, they won 72, and then they went all the way down to 69, which at the time was tied for the largest number of regular season wins with the 72 Lakers, the famous team that won the championship for Jerry West with the 33-game winning streak. So it's very possible that that middle team, that 97 team, was the most highly motivated. Because if you remember, Carl Malone won the MVP in 1997, right? The media gave it to him. And Michael Jordan was pissed. Mm -hmm. And I think because the the Bulls won 69 games, the Jazz, I think, won 64. I mean, they were great. They had a great season. But that that was the year that, you know, I think Michael really, you know, 
where you saw how angry he was about not being named the MVP. And that was also the legendary flu game that year, too, in 97. People think it was 98, but it wasn't. It was 97. So I think that middle team might actually have been the best of the three. Well, I want to do a follow-up on the flu game. So, you know, we, we've, we've, we saw the game. We, we've, we've seen highlights. We've seen people talking about the game. From someone who was there live, what was a takeaway that, that might not have come through or something that, that someone at home might have missed all these years later? What I remember, and again, you know, back then, 1997, I was I had a seat in the arena, but I don't think I had a monitor, so I wasn't able to hear the announcers or anything. But you could just see on the bench, there were times where he was just kind of like slumping into Scotty Pippen's sort of space, you know, kind of Scotty was sort of holding him up a little bit on the bench. And I don't think in real time, I realized the magnitude of what he was going through. Because again, I'm watching it and I'm looking at a guy and I'm thinking, okay, it's the end of the season. He's exhausted. He's given it all, given it his all. And I didn't even realize what, what physical limitations he had during that game. Yeah. And, and Bruce, so you look at it the next year, it's a rematch with that jazz team. You know, they had just been finished off four, two. And there was anticipation, obviously, all season long, building towards that NBA Finals and the way that Bulls team could finish it. What were some of the storylines you guys were following, and what were some of the things that you really remember about that last series? It was really the, the you know, one of the things I remember is that, you know, the Utah Arena, which I believe at the time was called the Delta Center. It's called something else now. I don't they they, they change the names a lot. That was next to the Seattle Key Arena in 96. That place was a madhouse. It was crazy. And the Utah fans can be, shall we say, not so nice to opponents. They scream like some nasty stuff at opposing players. And I mean, it's it's a, a lot of that hasn't changed, right? I mean, I don't know why it is, but I'm not going to ascribe any motives to that. It's just a tough place to play. And so, but I don't think anybody really felt like, oh yeah, Utah's going to get them this time. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> they're not going to get them this time. Uh, and they didn't get them this time. It was another six-game series. The the In that series, you know, Michael had the flu game in 97. This one was the push-off in game six, where I've watched that play so many times, and it was so clever by Michael. He kind of gave Brian Russell a little gentle push on his right butt cheek with an open palm, just enough to knock him off balance, and then he nailed the jumper. So, you know, it was it was always going to be the Bulls. I mean, I don't think anybody thought Utah was going to win that series. Is there ever if, – if so, if, if that play gets replayed, say, 10 times or, or nine more times or 99 more times, how many times would would that still not get called any time <laughs> at any point? Jordan rules, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Superstar calls. You're Brian Russell. You're Michael Jordan. Swallow that whistle, ref. Yeah. And for those of you who want to hear the long version of our conversation about The Last Dance, check out Catch and Shoot 2.0, available every Wednesday.